The opinions expressed during this program are solely the opinions of the hosts, guests, and callers. They do not necessarily represent the views of the advertisers, management, staff, or ownership of WCTC. You're listening to Wake Up Call with Christina Previtt. Listen here for inspiring stories from people just like you who had their wake-up call to make a bold decision and live their best life. They did it, and so can you. What are you waiting for? I'm your host, Christina Previtt. If we haven't met before, I was a divorce lawyer in New Jersey for 15 years. I'm currently the CEO and co-owner of New Jersey Divorce Solutions, a divorce law firm located in Edison, New Jersey. I love talking to people who have overcome their fears and forged their own path in life. They had a wake-up call to make a radical change. They did it, and so can you. My guest today is Karyon Anthes. Karyon is the founder and proprietor of CrossFit Marstown in Marstown, New Jersey. She has dedicated her life to the discipline of good health and fitness. Karyon's passion for empowering women through fitness started as a boot camp in a park in 2007. Her commitment to excellence, hard work, courage, and an entrepreneurial spirit has transformed CrossFit Marstown to one of the most respected and successful CrossFit affiliates in the world. Karyon has been an ambassador of the CrossFit community, serving on the Level 1 and Level 2 seminar staff for eight years, immersed in the coaching culture to help change lives and make people better through fitness. She holds the space for women and their journey via workshops, retreats, nutrition, and individual coaching. Karyan is also the co-owner of Become Coaching, which provides individual and tribe coaching as well as special events focused on personal fulfillment. Become is the process of living a fully engaged life and the active pursuit of personal growth by looking within. Welcome, Karyan. So I'm just going to get right into it and start in the beginning. I think that's a good place to start. Um, So how did you begin your fitness journey? Well, um, I think it's pretty unusual for my my journey versus a lot of people. I think, you know, people often ask me like, oh, what sports did you play or were you an athlete? Because that's typically like a natural trajectory, I think, into fitness. But I was actually not really an athlete as a kid. Um, wasn't really into sports. I mean, I did gymnastics, but then sort of took a turn to, um, you know, not really being very fit. Um And I guess my journey really started when I was abroad for a year. I had a great year, but did zero fitness, Um, came back and just decided to, you know, start working out at a a gym. And I remember like visually seeing after all the effort and work and putting the time in, like seeing some improvement. Um, And that for me was like, it was a process that I think um, just really impacted me, like not just seeing aesthetically a change, but that journey of like putting work in, putting time in, having the discipline, um, and then seeing results from it. But then pretty much from there, um, I decided to, you know, start teaching aerobics. I taught spinning. I became a personal trainer, just kind of got at it from the, the, the traditional gym setting. Um, and then later on, I went on to do some managing with the, uh, Rutgers gym and, New York Sports Club and, and those sorts of things. So that was sort of the So when did you path. do the travel abroad when you were in college? I deferred my admission to college after my senior year of high school and I went to Norway. So Because you're Norwegian. Because I am Norwegian. Yeah. Yes. So I wanted to really immerse myself um, you know, as not older. I mean I was only eighteen, but compared to being, you know, young. And uh, do that. So that was when I was 18. Well, I'm surprised that you weren't in sp- into sports 
Because I always considered my, I always say, I'm not athletic. You know, I'm the person going around CrossFit going, I'm not athletic. And, you know, you kind of coach us around that. But I just assumed because you look so fit now and you are fit that you just had this long history of, you know, sports. all kinds of sports. Yeah. yeah. So yeah I mean, I, I think gymnastics that. was a really great foundation. I mean, for any kids. I mean, in Europe, a lot of kids in, I guess, Russia, they, they all start out doing gymnastics and it's kind of a really good foundation um, in terms of body awareness and stuff. So I, I guess I had that. But yeah, I wasn't really disciplined. I didn't really feel drawn to sport. I'm still not coordinated with any kind of, you know, throwing, catching. My family makes fun of me. So. Oh, wow. I, I didn't <laughs> know that. That's yeah, that's interesting. Um, because I have to say, I came to know you. I think I, I did my first CrossFit class, I want to say, in 2012. Mm-hmm. And it was at your old location. And I remember seeing you, and I just knew you were the owner. And you, you're very fit. Like you always say, people are like the girl with the muscles. Like, I don't know if you made reference to that. And it's, and it's true, right? Like if you consider yourself a couch potato or you're self-conscious at all about your fitness level, and then you see you, you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, well. that's what I aspire to be. Um, but you, I don't know if you know this about yourself, but you have a certain presence, and I don't I don't exactly know how to describe it, like a very commanding presence. And you seem very confident and very sure of yourself. And especially when you're in your space, mm-hmm. um, I'll just say, yeah, coaching. Yeah. I'm just going to just say generally fitness. So I, you know, I personally found you very intimidating mm-hmm. at that time. Um, and so I've known you since 2012. Right. And I have to say over the course of those seven years, I feel like I've seen so much I'll say evolution. Sure. Just in you personally, in the box, you relocated. So I really wanted to find out. I mean, I don't think I'm going off far off the off a limb no, saying no. that, right? Yeah. yeah. So that process. How would you explain that that evolution? Sure. I mean, I think when I opened, um, you know, I, I think it's impossible to separate your personal and your your professional in terms of, you know, how you present. Um, you know, I think it is hard as a female, and I'm sure you can relate to this. We, we've chatted about this, being a female in sort of like a man's world. And I would say fitness or owning a gym. I mean, still people come into the gym selling things and they throw some pamphlets at me and say, give this to the owner. And when what that happens, do? I put it in the trash because it's okay. like if you there's just an automatic assumption that I can't possibly be the owner of the gym. Um, so I think opening a gym and being in the CrossFit space or fitness, I probably felt like not, there's sort of a two part thing there. Probably a little bit of needing to have a little more command. Um, You know, I've had my experiences with male clients that just, you know, it's, it's a challenge. Um, But then also some of it is, I do feel like I have, I do have a lot of insecurities in other areas, but being so passionate about fitness and also feeling like that coaching piece, there should be some command. But I think in terms of a female, it can it can be a little surprising. It can be unexpected. Um, so that's probably sort of where that is. But over the years, I feel like I've um, and at that time I went through, you know, a, a pretty tough divorce. I had two little kids Um you know, there was probably a lot that sort of when I was at the gym, it sort of had to be just put on 
a face and be there really what's appropriate for the members and provide them an experience. But by doing that, I probably, you know, blocked off maybe more than I needed to in terms of being a little more vulnerable or soft. Um, But then over the course of years, I think just just spending a lot of time really working at like getting to know myself and also opening the door to being part of more like relationships with women and embracing that part of me. It really, um, yeah, just helped me evolve into just, um, I don't want to use the word softer, but just a more open person and realizing that I didn't need so many defenses, I suppose. And, And just that there's more quality and enjoyment and engagement in life when you you let down some of those barriers. So I still feel like when I coach, there's definitely a command of, that's necessary and a presence. A um, leader. Yeah. Uh, but but also trying to balance that with um, just being more open and trying to be approachable. You know, I think a lot of women, though, even if I meet, you know, I was just out at the CrossFit Games and seeing some of those athletes, there's just – whether they talk are talking to you or not, just seeing those women, looking at them, knowing what they're capable of, there's wrapped up in that. Like a lot of you can see that they're committed, very serious athletes, and that is intimidating, whether or not they're an intimidating person or not. So I think we all bring to that interaction our own like insecurities, like, oh, man, I'm not whatever we think we make up in our heads. So there's probably still some of that, but I hope that my interactions with people now, you know, when they do get a chance to talk to me, it's not that people can see I also have my own insecurities and none of us have it figured out. Yeah, and I, you know, thinking about it now, I think if whatever you feel intimidated by probably says more about the person, like me, Mm -hmm. for instance. If I'm intimidated by you, it probably says more about me and maybe what my insecurities are or, you know, what's going on sure. in my own head, then it really says about you. Right, right. Yeah, um, we all look – anything we might feel is like a sensitive area. I think that's something we identify if we're feeling like we're lacking it or whatever it is. We When we see that in someone else, it's very, like, visceral, that – like, oh, like that – well, I think um, a lot of women obviously have body issues. We're bombarded all the time now, especially with Instagram, mm-hmm. all these celebrities or whoever athletes that look perfect all the time. They have zero body fat mm-hmm. or, you know, negative five body fat. Right. Um, and they appear to look perfect all the time. And you've actually been very open about your relationship with food and with your body and how that's evolved over the years. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's funny after however many years now, 20 of being in this industry, um, the more I know, like the less I know is <laughs> kind of interesting. But I think, you know, it's a different form now where we're obviously social media, it's it's in our face more. It's not like you know, whatever, whenever it was, maybe TV or magazines. Um, now there is this sort of perception, these whole this whole hologram of Instagram that is just constantly there that we're all exposed to all the time. So, but I think that, um, you know, that the best thing I can say about that is when I was whatever that perception of like perfect is for me, I mean, first of all, I don't think any of us ever reach it. As as my husband says, it's like a moving target. So 
kind of accepting that like what am I really what is really my goal and if I get to that goal is that is that enough because often I don't think it is and you could probably say that with many things in your life um but the real thing is that like those was I happier was my life more fulfilled what what is really what was really different about me when I was in x shape the shape of my body the percentage of body fat the pants I was wearing whatever and Really, I can't say that like life was better. I had more, you know, love in my life. I was happier. I was more fulfilled. I was still feeling like that feeling of like I'm not enough, which I think is what we all experience. Like my butt is not small enough. I am not attractive enough. I am not whatever. The comparison. Um, it's just never you can't chase that because it's going it, to you'll never achieve the end. It's just a pursuit that's just kind of hopeless. So, do you feel like you used to do that? Oh, and, yeah. And yeah. at what point would you say you just kind of let that all go? Yeah, I mean, you know, I've done every whatever diet plan. And some of it I do feel responsible to do because people ask me about it. And so it's like it. there's a difference in saying like, oh, I've read about it or I've, I've actually experienced it. So like the macros, for example, Um you know, some of those things that I've experienced, sure, some of the benefits and then the pitfalls. And I can speak to like, I don't think, you know, maybe the pitfalls outweigh the benefits or things like that. Um, but, you know, recently, like I've spent a lot of time this year really looking at like where I'm at, being present, being aware, like doing the work, not just saying like, oh, I need to be more present. Like you have to make that connection of actually practicing it. And I think the more I've been able to do that, it's it's definitely had an impact on how I feel about myself, um, being able to identify when I'm, you know, making things up about myself in a place of, like, insecurity where I'm making comparisons, just a heightened sense of awareness, and I think that's only been recently. And ironically, the food, um, matching some of that up, like, not a diet, but being able to understand like am I eating because I'm hungry and because I'm enjoying time with friends or am I eating because I'm depressed or so it's just such a more complex system than we want to make it and you know thinking about it on the way here you know fitness I think a lot of people think the awareness and mindset like it's all kind of oh that's like that category like woo woo Mm -hmm. I don't really need that I just want to like get fit look good and be successful well it's not like, you know, woo-woo, hippy-dippy stuff. It's that you can't get there without the support of, like, you have, to be on, you have to be on board in the process. And so you can't really just separate the two. Um, so I've been really working on that the past six months to a year. And ironically, I think if, you, if I, like, took my measurements or whatever, I probably feel and look better than I have in a long time because I'm not – stressed. I'm not obsessing. I'm not in this sort of like domino effect of um, being unhappy or comparing or so it's sort of interesting that, you know, as a result, I probably am fitter and happier than I've been in the past without being so hyper focused on it. Would you say there's something that triggered that for you or it's just maturing just getting older, having um, life experience. I mean, I have the benefit of, you know, so my husband, Bill, is, you know, very, we have like a pretty unique relationship and his work is very much around 
that mindset, like actual practicing your mindset. And I think we're all as a society, like kind of hitting a point where like the bubbles bursting like we're all just so busy and there's so much pressure and there's so much comparison it's all just so in our face all the time um that it's really needed now more than ever so some of his work I'm sort of of course like the guinea pig for because I'm married to him so we spend a lot of time talking about like you know where each other maybe can improve um because of course that impacts your relationship your family your day-to-day we spend a lot of time together um, so I think that kind of kicked it off, but I definitely feel like at a certain point you reach not like rock bottom, but it's exhausting being in the same place all the time. Like, and I'm back here again where I'm, you know, it's yeah. unhappy. I'm like beating myself up and I'm not good enough. And like at a point you kind of decide like, I don't want to be in that place anymore. So I think that probably, um, you know, was pro- was the catalyst of just having the ability to do something about it, having the right tools and just also wanting to yeah, evolve and and be able to be a mentor to other women, to my kids, you know, not just kind of be stuck in the same place. I can relate to that. Sometimes I think of it as uh, I've heard people say, God, you know, what's wrong? Are you having a midlife crisis? You know, why do you need to go to all these personal development mm-hmm. seminars? And, you know, what what are all these woo-woo Instagram posts? Right. And I've actually had people come up to me and go, is everything okay? Because right, I right. saw all these inspirational quotes and I just yeah. want to make sure is everything okay? And I'm like... <laughs> Why on earth right. would have something be wrong when right. I'm putting things, words of encouragement on Instagram? Mm-hmm. But that's. But I think that's also to your point about when people, when we were talking about being insecure about something within yourself and then, you know, it being about them. Like I had someone recently say to me, like, that they were really concerned and I need to just, like, be happier because some of my posts are deep, we'll call them. And. I felt like kind of bad for this person that they interpreted it that way. Yeah, they interpreted um, that as sadness by, right, or depression right. by you. Because, you know, not everybody wants that depth and that's fine. But I really do think that whether you're – nobody is immune to needing that. Now, if you're in a place in your life where you're just super – I don't mean this in a negative way, but just very superficial. You just go to work, go home kiss your wife on the cheek and kind of like do the same thing, say goodnight to your kids, wake up, rinse and repeat. I guess if you're fulfilled, um, I doubt people, they might be happy, but like there's a difference and, you know, that's something Bill and I talk about. Happy and joy, like happiness and joyfulness are different or being fulfilled and just kind of happy. Like, so I think there's some people that probably are okay with that, but then there's other people, I feel like, like yourself that just, there's that feeling, that nagging feeling of like, I'm just not fulfilled. And you might have a great job and, you know, look great and all these things. But there's something internally that like, there's got to be more to life than that. Yeah. And so for those people, like, yeah, it feels good to seek and want to learn and grow and evolve, not just be you only get one shot at this. So that's right. And then when you look ahead, and I hope I can share that you just had a, a birthday, yeah. a 40th yeah. birthday. So it's not like you obviously you're not 20 thinking about this right, stuff. Right. Um, I think you do get to a point where you realize, you know, I still have a lot of years left. You know, yes. most likely I probably still have a lot of years left. And how do I want to spend them? Right, what do right. I want my existence in this world to be? 
yeah. uh, you know, just going to work every day and, you know, describing the rinse and repeat routine. Mm-hmm. So um, I do think there are a lot of people that sort of live in denial. Mm-hmm. I think there's something inside them that isn't happy, but they're not ready to face sure. that. Sure. Because if they did, then they would have to identify that there are right. probably some big changes that they need to make in their life. Right. And, and that's the I think that's the we call it like pulling on the string like and everything coming unraveled. You can't just, and that's the same with fitness and nutrition. There's a lot, like I said, there's so much behind. It's not just, let me give you this diet. Let me give you this. Here's the workouts. There's so much with the body that's tied to your emotions and like where your stress level is at, how you're being, what state you're in that. But once you start asking people to look at those things, it could unravel a lot that they're not ready to handle. So it's much easier to compartmentalize it and just be like, I don't want to like, I don't need all that stuff. Just tell me, should I eat a potato or a cup of rice? And it's like, just tell me how to lose 10 pounds. And it's just like, okay, we'll put a garbage bag on and go sit in a sauna. I mean, you know, really? Well, that (laughs) worked. Just kidding. (laughs) But not really. (laughs) You know what? I, I went through all the diets. I did all that. And, and I, I, um, I have, I think I've talked to you that I have a fat loss mm-hmm. and fitness coach that I'm yeah. using right now because I went through this phase where, you know, I was just eating whatever I wanted. I didn't care. Mm-hmm. I cared, but I didn't care. Right, right. I guess I didn't care you enough. You didn't care enough. <laughs> yes, I didn't care enough. Um, and I was probably self-soothing. Mm-hmm. And then I got to a point where my clothes were getting too tight and I was not going to go buy bigger clothes. Right, right. So it sort of became, well, are, how long are you going to keep doing this? Like mm-hmm. going on some cra- crazy crash diet to lose a couple of pounds so you can see the needle move on mm-hmm. the scale, but not really changing your lifestyle. And then you go right back to all the old things that you were doing anyway and I realized I'm tired of this. Yeah. I don't want to keep doing this. So I realized... I've heard the lip service like, oh, it's a lifestyle. You have to Mm -hmm. change your lifestyle. But what does that really mean? I think sometimes it's hard to understand what that really means. And it does mean going a little deeper. Yeah. Yeah. You have to um, kind of become a new person. Yeah. You have to like transform who you are. And Mm -hmm. like there's a really interesting, you know, we've been following a lot of this. it's, It's a company called Strong Fit. And it's not just like the workouts I mean it's about a lot of their stuff is like like you have to not just you know not eat the cup like this is a bad example but like not eat the cupcake you have to be the person that doesn't want the cupcake Mm. so it's like really changing that's hard who you are (laughs) I love cupcakes yeah so I mean and there's nothing wrong with the cupcake but like instead of just going and doing the task or not doing the task you have to be part of that process and be the person who is part of that process. And so that requires you asking a lot of questions like, you know, there's these three questions, you know, how do you feel? What do you want? And why do you want it? And like, if you can ask yourself those questions every day, it will probably be part of changing your lifestyle. But it, but I think where a lot of people get miss, get off track is they say, I want to change something. I want to be more this or be more that. But then that's where it stops. It's like, well, there has to be actionable steps to that like if I want to be more aware I can't just wake up one day after 35 years and be like I want to be more aware okay like that's great identifying that but what are you doing to yeah to do that well that's a good segue into something I wanted to ask you you're talking about your process mm-hmm. can you describe some of the things that you've done yeah 
Um, so, I mean, and this is really like we were. So I just got back from 10 days of being away. So our like morning ritual, Bill and I is like we have a cup of coffee and we like sit and chat, you know. Um, and I was saying that like I had a very different experience this year. Every year I work the CrossFit Games. I'm, you know, the director of the Games assistant and it's very busy. It's very complicated. And this year I really felt for the first time like. And we talk about like the movie The Matrix. Like, have you ever seen Matrix? Yes. You know when the bullets are coming at him and it, they kind of slow down and he like sees them. That's how I felt this year for the first time. Usually, I'm frantic. I'm like, I lost the keys. I lost this. Like, where's this? Where's that? And this year, I just felt like all the work I'd done was like paying off. Like, I was definitely more aware. So, one of the things that's helped me, and Bill asked, like, well, what has really been helpful for that? And, you know, he launched this thing called the Practice last year and like I said I'm kind of the guinea pig between the ears yeah is that okay so um so it's it, it is called the practice because it's practicing those things so there's like you know I journal in the morning um the writing like is a huge piece not typing which I prefer but like hand writing just like downloading your thoughts it's like just a simple thing people can do not like I mean, you can write whatever. It doesn't have to be like, well, today I went to the coffee shop. and But like more just like kind of getting it out um, where you're at. I think that's like a huge piece of just that, you know, step. The other thing is like really trying to identify like where am I at today? Like asking those questions. Like how do I really feel? Not just getting busy and bypassing that connection to like where I'm at. Um, and so his thing is like a 12-week thing where you have a workout and a mindset focus. So you can, I mean, sure, you could do the practice. You can also have a focus for the week. Like, you know, maybe it is like, what's my, like, what's an example from that? What's my best effort? What does that mean to me? My best effort. Like just, I think if you don't have things to consider and really like look at during your week, like how am I, how am I doing with this? Um, Like for me, for example, I project a lot. I take things like, well, the last time I went away, Bill got really stressed out with the dogs, this and that. And so now when I go away, he's going to get stressed out. This is what's going to happen. And like none of this has happened. And I do that with a lot. So kind of identifying that and seeing like, okay, this week I'm going to look at how I do that with the kids or with myself. If I eat this cupcake, then, you know, all that stuff. And so I think it's my process has been really having to do some kind of action, whether it's a workout and I write afterwards or journaling every day or kind of looking at a different piece of my life every week and really having that focus. Um, so that's really, like really been the process. Um, and, and you meditate? I did. I used to meditate. I haven't meditated in a while. I did. Um, we took the um, Transcendental Meditation course, which I found that one of all like versus like headspace or something like that the most helpful um but the main thing with meditation that i think was just great is and understanding is you're not sitting there not thinking it's really you know for me i feel like the writing is kind of a form of meditation i'm just capturing what's going through my head but like the meditation process is really just shutting everything down and the thoughts are going to come and they use like a mantra so that's trying to help you kind of get back on track with just focusing on the mantra. You have your own mantra, right? You're not right. supposed to tell right. anybody yes, what it's it a is. a secret mantra. So, um, and it doesn't like have meaning. It doesn't, it's not like 
cookies. You know, that would present a problem because then all you're thinking about while you're meditating is cookies. Um, But so any kind of I think the value of meditation, whether people like to meditate or write, is like stopping the schedule or even a workout where you're going to be very present and allowing yourself that like appointment with yourself. Like that's huge. And I think we all want these things, but we want to squeeze it in to like all the stuff we're doing. And it just doesn't work that way. You have to stop and say, okay, I'm going to give myself these 10 minutes, whether it's writing, meditating, pedaling on a bike, and I'm going to just like be here. Not yeah. working, not thinking about work, not texting. Being present. And I think if you actually start to pay attention to that, people will see that they really aren't being mm-hmm. present. They might think they are. Right. Well, of course I'm present. I'm here. I'm doing it. Right. 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 But what are you thinking about? Right. Are you focused on what you're actually doing? Mm-hmm. Or are you already thinking about the next thing you have to do or that thing you have yeah. to get done next week or worrying about some deadline that you have? I'm very guilty of that. Mm-hmm. And that is something that I've been working on. And it does help especially in those moments when I find myself just racing right. and really worrying about right. something that I recognize is causing me a lot of stress. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know where I saw it. You've probably heard it before, but the question will be, what problem do you actually have right this very right. second? Yeah. And that is something, um, I think it was in a podcast Bill did or something, but you know, driving is a great example of that. Like not multi, like if you can just stop multitasking, whatever you're doing right now, like right now we're sitting here talking. We're not like checking the phone or trying to write something or if you're driving, you're not on the phone, you know, listening to, a, I mean, listening to a podcast is fine, but like not just, trying to just, read my emails. Yeah. Do one thing at a time, do what you're doing now. And that's it. Um, because that, what you ultimately end up doing is, you exhaust yourself doing nothing really fully. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. I, I love Deepak Chopra. I don't know if you've listened yeah. to him, but he says if you're doing two or more things at once, you're not doing anything. Right. right. Yeah. And that was something I'm like a a chronic multitasker. So it's uh, that's been something big for me is realizing I'm just don't need to do that. And, and that, I agree. That has been an actual well, step. That's we've all, I mean, our society applauds that though yeah well, is and being the, super yeah. productive and getting mm-hmm. all this done and even in my office you know my staff will you know they'll praise each other for that for i'm a really sure. good multitasker right no right. you're not well it's just the busy thing everybody it's like a disease like it, like if i hear like and i try to be very aware of that myself and cognizant of not just you know how are you like oh busy like it's so like okay like we're it's like busy. a disease, you know, it's like, is that really? And, and what, you know, having spent a lot of time in Europe, I mean, their thing on in the summer is you are forced by law to take this large chunk of time for your vacation in the summer, like, and consecutively. And that's just something that like here, you know, we all also think like if we don't work, like the, the whole system's going to just stop running. Yes. And it's just, we're just not that powerful. I, d- I don't know where that comes from. I really have no idea. Even in my office, I have an attorney um, who I won't name, but I have an attorney who goes on vacation and works, you know, checks emails Mm -hmm. and is responding to clients the whole time. And I've really tried to say, look, don't do that. You know, I appreciate it, but you need your time off. You need your time to just decompress and not have anything to do. Right. Um, So I think that's awesome that you are 
being mindful of all of that. And I think it's great because you, I'm sure that you talk to your kids about this. Yeah, we have, um, you know, it's interesting. Marcus had a lacrosse tryout this this week and I was gone. It was like a two-part tryout. He made it past the first cut and then they had a second cut. And he hasn't played lacrosse in a couple of years. And the kids aren't really like they've been around fitness their whole life, but they're not like and they play sports, but they're not like sport kids. They don't watch sports. They don't. They're just kind of like they participate and that's fine. But he really got into lacrosse and he really wanted to do this. And so he took these camps and he did some private lessons and did these tryouts. And he went and Bill took him and Bill's you know, been an elite soccer player. So he was the perfect person to kind of like talk him through this and he didn't make it. And so Bill had this like really great talk with him about like the value and what you can learn from that in the process. And that's just part of life. Like, yeah. And so he didn't get a participation and, trophy or right. a, I tried really hard trophy. Yeah. yeah. And like, and it's great to see him work hard, but um, then that's, that's something to, um, that's just part of life. And, and we do try to have that with the kids. They did do some meditating um, when we were doing it. And, you know, that's a skill that, like, I'm glad oh. they, they took the course. And they each got their own mantra. And um, the value in that, you know, is just having them, especially at their age with the phones. And How old are they? Uh, Marcus will be 15 and Olivia is turning 12. And are do they have a meditation practice? Yeah, so they, they did the Transcendental course, too. Um, so during the, we have not been during the school year, we had them go down every morning before they went to school. Um, I don't know how successful it was. And I said, like, I don't care if you are saying your mantra, if you're just saying like, I hate mom, but you're going to sit there and like, and it's just the stillness because that I think whether they pick it up again later or even just now for their benefit of having that stillness versus just constant um, stimulus all the time. Especially now with iPads and iPhones and all of that. I even find myself just mindlessly picking up the phone like, oh, did I get an email? Like, checking, checking, checking. Does it matter if I got an email at that moment? Or scrolling. And they're not on social media. I mean, eventually, obviously, they will be. But, you know, we do try to, you know, that's part of, like, what we think is important in, in arming them for life is, like, teaching them introducing them to mindset or thinking or being aware and and all those things. And it's just, it takes, you know, a lot of patience and time and And awareness, mindfulness. It's interesting how we feel like we're more connected because of social media and technology. But I think in a lot of ways, we're actually less connected. I think in a lot of ways, we're, you know, I'll give you an example. You could be sitting at a dinner table with somebody and they're not even paying right. attention to you because right. they're looking at their phone. Yeah. And I think I've caught myself doing that at times. And it it was so bothersome to me when someone else did it mm-hmm. that I realized, am I doing that? Right. So I'd keep the phone away yeah. when I'm at dinner. Um, but little things like that, I just think it's I like that you're teaching them to be present mm-hmm. and to have some stillness. Yeah. And, you know, we really work hard at eating dinner together as a family. And that's something that, you know, it's it's sort of we're teaching our kids to be busy just like we are. Go to this sport, go that sport, from this sport to that sport, this, that. We'll grab a snack on the way. Like, and it's all part of that same problem that, like, what are we really prioritizing there? So, you know, it can't always happen, but, you know, we do try to conquer 
the dinner together, so we all chat. There's no phones at the table. Um, so I think people can, it, and it does, it takes work, but I think throwing your hands in the air and just saying, well, that's how it is today, it's just not, that's that's not the answer to just surrender. So I agree. I also think that having conversations limited to texting and email is, mm-hmm. it can be efficient, as certainly from a business perspective, but I think... Sometimes it's kind of like taking the easy way out sure. because it's harder to for me to say, hey, Kay, you know, something you said the other day right. really upset me. Right. And then to be staring you in the face and now I have to wait for your reaction right, right. and and we have to actually have a conversation about it. it's easier for me. And this is just a fake example. Yeah, this yeah. didn't happen. <laughs> but, I, you know, it's it's harder to it's easier to send someone a text yeah, and, course. you know, you blast them for them. something they right. did right. and not have to see the consequences of that right. right away. And that's what I will say, talking about the, the phones and the awareness, you know, that's one of the things I really enjoy about the gym or, um, you know, working with people in that context is that's an hour that for the most part, I'll say that people don't have their phones on. They're there for that hour um, and there's really very little time that people really have that anymore. Um, you know, every now and then you'll hear a phone ring or someone will check something. But it's actually really for how attached to their phones people are. They leave them in the cubbies and it's kind of nice. Um, you know, I think as we've evolved and I've evolved, it is interesting and the gym has for sure evolved. But it is hard to get a whole group of people to continue that process. Like there's a lot of you know, now like seeing really through this lens of like, wow, it's really not just about doing squats and box jumps. There's so much more. Not everybody is ready for that. So it does create like, you know, it's an interesting journey for me now. Like, okay, how do you, being patient with people in their process as well and trying to bring them along and understanding it's not just about calories and sweating. Like, it's so much more complicated than that. Yeah, that was actually something I wanted to ask you about is how what your vision is for the gym because I've definitely noticed over the years it's not a place where you just go to lift something heavy. Mm-hmm. It really you have a community there. Um, it's really it's different. It's different than a regular gym. Right. And I know you have a lot of events, and I'm assuming some of them are associated with become coaching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, so there's sort of like these three pieces. There's 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 Jim, CrossFit Morristown, um, and then Bill's Business Between the Ears, which has, there's been some things there, um, and then the Become brand. So the Become brand kind of was birthed out of, I guess, the community part, like wanting to do and offer these like life experiences, but they're really not tied to fitness, and it kind of gets... Like, it just becomes noise, I think, if it's just always associated with the gym. So we've done a coffee class. We've done a wine tasting. We've done, I've done some retreats. Um, we did, um, you know, things that are, like, trying to slow people down and enrich their experience. A photography class. Kind of encouraging people to explore things that do innately require them to, like, stop and learn. Learning is, like, a huge thing. And I think that probably is, like what we're trying to help people with in terms of fitness. Like I think we all want to just get good at things, but then you realize like, well, that's not, you're missing the point. Like part of it is like learning. So I think for my 
and our vision for the gym is like just making sure that people we create a place where people, you know, feel good um, about themselves. They stay healthy. Um, but the process by which we do that and the methodology, you know, just wanting to learn. It might not always be a barbell. And it's okay if it's new to you. That's almost like good. Like you should come in and feel like, wow, I learned something today. That's healthy. When you, you know, when you stop learning, that's like, that's like a death almost. And so I, I think that we're also conditioned as sort of type A people to want to just like be good. Oh, good. This is what I'm good at. And we yeah. look at like something you struggle with as a negative, but really it's, it's kind of the opposite. Like, you should focus on those things. Yeah, just because that's stimulating. It's it's good for your body. It's good for your whole person to learn, whether it's a hobby or a exercise. So I think the evolution of the gym is to continue to provide, um, you know, of course the coaching is important because it keeps people safe. It provides them guidance. It provides them leadership. It's kind of the glue. Um but also just always for us learning, like we're never at a place. And I do think this is a downfall of many CrossFit gyms of kind of like, oh, yep, that's it. Good. Done. And what's done. Right. See you next time. And there's no real like there's just certain things we'll, we probably like, we don't do because we just don't think that they're as effective and valuable and beneficial to people. And so we'll continue that evolution. And CrossFit also, big CrossFit is changing. So there's not, nothing is static and permanent. And so for us, like that's our thing with the gym is really just trying to continue to educate, to to have people come in the doors, feel good and feel like they can, that they belong there, you know, because that's the first step. The first step is just being able to have people come in the door with whatever their goals are and feel like I belong here. I feel like I'm taken care of here and I'm cared for. And that's like number one. Because well, if they I don't feel, feel that, that well, good. And if they don't feel that way, then it doesn't matter what you're doing in there because they're not going to stay. So who cares? Um, but, you know, it is there's a lot of other fitness things out there. So, you know, it's just we're not we understand that, you know, people aren't like you're not only going to come to CrossFit and, and just trying to you know, help people learn what's going to be the best thing for them. So, so did you embark on your own personal development and then feel like, you know what, this is something that I want to share too at the box and kind of, it just evolved from there. Yeah. I think that's always been the way it has gone. Like just as I evolve, it just feels natural and almost it would be counterintuitive and like a lie to not share that. So whether it's like nutrition or how we approach movement or fitness or women, I mean, I started like a postpartum thing. Like I just feel this responsibility to if I'm a leader of a community to to share that. And so as you know, just naturally as I evolve, I feel like that's the process. But it's much harder to get a group of people coming along. You know, you have to sort of consistently patient and. And it takes a while to sort of turn, like we talk about it, like we've been turning the gym like a big cruise ship. You can't just take a, a jet ski and go 90 degrees to the right or everybody's going to fall off. So it's kind of a just Yeah, a that's an interesting metaphor. Change. I like that. Um, well, how about become coaching? Are you, what do you want to do with that? Where do you see that going? Yeah, so that, um, so it was like become, it's like B K. 
O-M. Um, so Bill, Kariana, and then the O has like a line through it. Like it's a Scandinavian letter. Um, just as a nod to like what we were talking about, they have just a different experience of life. Like they really take the time to slow down. And so that sort of is part of that influence. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I think the initial branding of it and just separating it from the gym was like an important first step. It's not something that like really is lucrative. It's just sort of this. So you're not doing it to make money. Right. I mean, eventually it would be, you know, that would be great to build it to something that is. Um, But I think the retreats, you know, things that just don't fall under the gym that really aren't gym events. That's where that like the, you know, like the retreat would be an example of that. So I guess eventually it would be great to build those up and. Um, you know, to even do like a trip. Like we tried to go a to a trip to Norway. A trip to Norway. Christina's <laughs> like all I've about been, it. I've been on cocaine. Well, I know about you'll that. come. I know <laughs> you'll come. You're coming on any. It might trip. just be me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just that. And and I think the retreats have. You know, it's so funny because I always get stressed. I always worry about is it going to be enough? Who's going to come? Who's going to, who's going to actually show up? Like it's a lot of stress. And then I do think that they're always valuable. Like the ones I've done, I do think people walk away with sort of, it's not like you can quite always put your finger on it, but it was just like a necessary sort of pause. Um, And the environment is huge. Like that change in environment and always finding something where you're maybe outside or it's, it's a house that has a certain feel like that's really, um, part of that experience and you can't get that in like the conference room of the Hyatt no. so um, and Bill and I have experienced that going overseas this year to something called the do um, the do lectures and the do breakthrough and it's on a farm in Wales and it's just incredible so we would like to share that um, but you know we're we'll, we'll build towards that <laughs> do you have any plans in the works to go to Norway <laughs> do I or for, <laughs> well, for, for a retreat the, for the I know retreat. I think I have to um I think it's we're probably a year and a half out, Christina. Oh, but I'll, oh like, I'll I'll put the date, save the date. <laughs> well, because I'm like a smidge Norwegian, I've told you that. My, my... Well, you can't go until at least I'll have to help you, even okay. if you decide to go by yourself. I'll help you plan. Definitely, I appreciate that. Um, so, one of the questions I was going to ask you as I was researching your your various business ventures is why are Norwegians so happy? I know. Did you read that article I had up for a while? I don't think I did. There was an article, actually, that was exactly that. Like, why are Norwegians so happy? And, um, you know, I I really do think it is that they're able to... Who they are isn't what they do, is, like, number one. Um, That's not their identity. They have this identity about, like, really kind of back to what we started talking about, enjoying life, um, being fulfilled not just like just a superficial happy. So they do take the time to enjoy, you know, good food, wine, their each other's company. They take vacations. They set aside that time. You know, when you go to a party in Norway, people don't always like they don't ask, what do you do in this country? That's like the first thing people say, what do you do? Um, so there isn't there isn't that emphasis on just the the rat race, so to speak. Money so, and yeah. status. Everybody is also, I mean, it's a very small country. There's actually a an unwritten like social code called Janteloven. Um, and it is to not outdo your neighbor. So like here we say like keeping up with the Joneses. It's like the exact opposite there. Like you don't, 
it's not cool to have like like two pairs of super expensive jeans. Like have a nice pair. Like people have nice things there. But like one pair is enough. It's not they're not bogged down with stuff and status. Um, and I think that's what we get the comparison, how we look. And so what's funny is that byproduct, they all are beautiful. Like it's a very fit, beautiful country. They're in nature a lot. That's part of their culture. But they're not hyper-focused on some diet or regime. They're less stressed. Yeah, it's just part of their person and their identity. And so that's the difference. It's not like a checklist item. It's just kind of something they do because they enjoy it, not because they have to. Isn't it hard to try to live a lifestyle like that, though, in here in the U.S. where people aren't living that way? Is it hard yeah, to do that? Yeah, you know, that? we've talked a lot about, like, we live in Bernardsville. We are definitely not the norm. And then at a certain point, it was just recently, actually, that we're like, we're just, we're kind of being victims. Like, at a certain point, mm. you're being a victim and saying, like, oh, well, there's nothing I can do. It's like, you can make the changes. You know, we you can decide that you want to live this way. You can minimize your stuff. You can make those choices. Um, and sure, it's it might be more challenging than if you live in Norway and they're saying, hey, here's four weeks vacation. But you kind of ultimately have to decide that for yourself then. Because if you're just going to throw your hands in the air and surrender and go with the flow, then just give up on all of it. Well, I think ultimately, too, you have to not care what other people think. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's funny, like some we just talked about this, like giving away like half of our clothes. I mean, I wear I don't I don't really you know, I don't need a lot of that stuff. I came back from the games with all of these items from like Reebok, you know, gives us and I just brought them right to the gym and gave them away. I mean, what the heck do I need? Ten pairs of yeah. the same short. We live in in a world of such excess. Yeah. And it, it bogs you down. It definitely it does. does. Well, there's people that are live like minimalists. Yeah, I don't, there's a documentary on it yeah. where they literally they just have the minimum that they actually need. Well, Steve to live. Jobs, you know, used to wear the same shirt, black, everything black every day. And one of his things were having to like as few decisions as he has to make in a day, like frees him up. So even the choice of what am I going to wear, like if you don't have all those options. Or, like, it's just, you know, you look at, like, these huge houses. Like, now you've created this whole line of stress because who's going to clean the house? Do Mm. the this, do the that. What about having all these clothes? Now you have to do the laundry. And even for people that don't live in a huge house, you have the landscaping. You have, now you have two cars. Like, you're creating, by nature of having all these things, more things to take care of. More, yeah, another to do. Right. So it's like when you eliminate some of those, you eliminate... All the time you're spending the stress. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm trying to eliminate the stress. And I I have this tank dress on right now. I have this in five colors. <laughs> so if you see jo- me frequently. All, you're going to go home. Your job is to pick one. One color. Your favorite color. Black. Yeah. Perfect. That's what I wear all the time. Next time I see you're going to be Steve Jobs. Just everything black. <laughs> yes. And people tease me. Actually, my goddaughter, who's only six, one day I saw her and she goes, do you wear that dress every day? <laughs> and I was like, you know what? I think I do. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> but if it's good enough for Steve Jobs, it's good yeah. enough for me. <laughs> um, so we have a couple of minutes left. I I try to end each interview with a Proust questionnaire. So I'm just going to do a couple real quick. 
Um, what is your idea of perfect happiness? Boy, wow. Only ending on this one. Um, <laughs> I mean, perfect. It's kind of a, um, it's kind of a, what's it called? Um, An oxymoron. Yeah. Okay, happiness. <laughs> Forget okay. the perfect. Well, well, yeah, I think just um, peace, you know, being at peace. Yeah. We could do another show on that. What is your idea of misery? Um, I would say like self-imposed prison, being in a self-imposed prison. Mm. Yeah, I think a lot of people do that. If you could sit on a park bench for one hour with any person alive or dead, who would it be? This is going to, people are going to be like, I would, I would pick my husband. Oh, oh, that's nice. I I love that. He's very wise and it would, it would. Be a good conversation. I love that. Well, you can do that. I know. <laughs> Go do that. Go yeah. do that today. What would you tell your 18-year-old self? Oh, um, I would probably say, like, it, you're going to be okay. That's yeah. what I would say. That's a popular one. Yeah. And what would be, what's the legacy that you would like to leave behind? I mean, just, you know, changing lives is like something we talk about a lot. And that's such a catchphrase. But it really, like that is really everyday part of just what I, like, you know, if today was the last day or tomorrow was the last day. Just knowing that people would say like, wow, that there was a positive impact there. and And that my impact somehow had, you know, changed their trajectory of, them being able to be fulfilled. So, yeah. Thank you. I'm on my way. So, and so, okay. So, one, I have to ask you, what Muppet are you? Oh, the Muppets, man. E. I don't know. I kind of, I kind of feel like maybe Miss Piggy. <laughs> I thought you were going to say animal. Because she's like so, well, yeah, but she's like so nice. You know, she's like, oh, and then she like turns around and she does a karate chop right right that you know what you're right that is you okay so i want to give you an opportunity to plug your various businesses so if anyone's interested in become coaching or if they're interested in crossfit how should they contact you probably the best thing as much as we're talking about is, is instagram because it's easy to find and you can see what we do um cf motown is crossfit morristown and become coaching is at become coaching b k o m coaching that's on instagram and between the ears is b t w n the ears is also on instagram um yeah so or you can come to crossfit morristown and find me great thank you so much for sharing all of this i feel enlightened so i think your legacy you're good you're good. At least I got you. If- <laughs> thank you. You did. You did. Um, so thank you for listening to Wake Up Call with Christina Previtt. Tune in next time. If you want to learn more about me, you can go to ChristinaPrevitt.com. Thank you.